Hey, everybody. Welcome to the HVAC Joy Lab podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Shirk. This podcast focuses on creating more and more conversations about what optimizes life for an HVAC technician. My goal is to produce the most helpful content available for techs, full stop. Today, you're going to hear part two of two podcasts with Adam Kuhlman, health coach and trainer with a focus on technicians. In part one, we focused on diet. This time we drilled down on hydration, alcohol, and sugar. Lots of good information for techs in the summer heat. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to HVAC Joy Lab for part two with Adam Kuhlman. Uh, all you guys, all you techs, uh, getting all this great knowledge from Adam about uh, food in part one of the podcast. And now we're going to continue right in now with the issue of hydration, which is a big topic in the summertime for technicians. So what are your thoughts on hydration, Adam? Ooh, very, very good uh, good topic here. So there, there is a lot of stuff that we can discuss when it comes to hydration. Now, I'm sure most people are going to expect me to say, like, drink your water, right? Yeah. You'll be right. I am going to say drink your water. Um, but at the end of the day, I know when it comes to being on the job, a lot of techs can be very used to drinking, you know, maybe soft drinks, sodas, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, one of the best things that you can do is start with water, but flavor your water. We're just going to start there. You know what I mean? So most people don't know. They're like, how much should I be drinking? The general rule of thumb if you can, is drink half your body weight in ounces. No more than about 120 ounces per day. But if you're an HVAC tech, you're going to be sweating a lot, so you can easily break that 120-ounce rule. I know HVAC techs, John, just off the top of my head, with the very few I know who drink, like, you know, sometimes a gallon or two a day. Um, those are HVAC techs who are in Arizona. Arizona saps out your hydration pretty quickly with how dry it is there. But sure. um, for those of you who are techs out there and you know you enjoy flavor in the water, there's a million different ways that you can flavor your water. You can hop on Amazon Prime and you can you know you can get a lot of those flavoring packs, um, you know little juice extracts, whatever it may be. You can throw that into a gallon or two of water and you're going to be just fine. Um, what I would say for most HVAC techs is I wouldn't go too much coffee throughout the day. Like stick with it in the morning. It's cooler in the mornings, of course, but. If you're going to drink coffee throughout the day, just know that coffee is a diuretic. It's going to dehydrate you. So you're okay. going to want to make sure you want to drink plenty of water, even if you're going to drink coffee. I totally understand. Um, but when it also comes to any type of hydration, one of the most important things that I want most HVAC techs to remember is when you are sweating, when you're up in those attics, when you're on the top of those rooftops, um, that sweat is also, it's not just water that's coming out of your body. You also got electrolytes that are being excreted, potassium, sodium, big ones, magnesium mm -hmm. as well. 
So I would say for a lot of HVAC techs out there, if you want to not only flavor your water, but you could also get electrolyte um, flavoring packs to put into your water. It's going to help uh, replenish the sodium, the potassium, the magnesium. Sodium is a big one, John, that gets lost through sweating. You know what I mean? And I know yeah. sodium is kind of a, it's a topic right now, you know, for, you know, if you get excess sodium, you can get high blood pressure, so on and so right. forth. But if you're an HVAC tech, I promise you, you're going to be excreting a lot of sodium through your sweat. So it's okay to replenish that. Like going back again to those HVAC techs I knew in Arizona, some of them would take like a half a teaspoon of salt and put it into their water every day mm. because they were just sweating out that much. Um, so I would say flavor your water, half your body weight in ounces at least. Um, and then I would say also do an electrolyte powder in that water as well you're going to have a amazing performance cocktail right there. So that's kind of everything in a nutshell with hydration. Okay. So, and, and give us your thoughts as well then about things like Gatorade, Powerade, mm. uh, yes. those, those, those things in the gas station, you stop and they, some of them are, are, they have uh, sugar in them. Some of them don't. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about that? So with those ones, it's, it's kind of mixed, John, like, Sometimes I feel like the cons outweigh the benefits when it comes to Gatorade and Powerade because they come loaded with a lot of sugar. Sometimes they're artificial. Sometimes they're sugar alcohols. Sometimes it's even just regular sugar. You know what I mean? So you're doing that plays a lot on your metabolism that, that works a lot on insulin and stuff like that. And it has a negative effect on it. So if you're going to have a negative effect on one part of the body while you're replenishing, you know, electrolytes in another part, it's like, you know, what's the most benefit out of that? You can make your own Gatorade. You can make your own Powerade. You can make it a lot healthier and you can make it your own self at home for pretty cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing is though, is Gatorade and Powerade has done a phenomenal job marketing to people. You know what I mean? You have those post uh, game conferences like press conferences with players. They throw a Gatorade bottle up there. They throw a Powerade bottle up there. They've, they've done really good at getting um, athletes to endorse it. Yeah. When, to be honest with you, between you and me, John, athletes should know better. Athletes yeah. are on a very, very regimented um, way of eating and drinking, and they should know better than to put that stuff into their body. But it's money, it's sponsorships, it's getting sure. your name out there, so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean Gatorade and Powerade are actually good for you. I would, I would argue that they're not. Um, and I would say steer clear of them. Go back to that electrolyte powder. Go back to those flavoring packs in your water, and you're going to be a lot better off. Okay. Um, and then how about uh, energy drinks, the, uh, Red Bulls, uh, all that kind of stuff. What, what are your thoughts on using them as well? So when it comes to those energy drinks, I would say it's those energy drinks are incredible, um, interesting because it's sometimes it's like combining caffeine mm -hmm. with a fizzy Powerade or a fizzy Gatorade, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I would tell people when it comes to a Red Bull, when it comes to NOS, when it comes to a Monster, whatever your preferred energy drink is, there's so many out there. Um, again, a lot of those have even more caffeine in them than your standard cup of coffee. So you're going to have an even further diuretic effect. It's worth noting too, when you have a diuretic effect, John, um, that you have a tendency to, to excrete more sodium and potassium throughout the urine. So you're also depleting electrolytes a lot quicker. For those of you who, who may or may not know, electrolytes are how your body functions. Um, you need neurological impulses to make the motor neurons in, you know, basically tell your muscles to fire. We'll just put it that way. 
that action potential in your neurons rely on potassium and sodium to fire, if that makes sense. The less of it you have, the less efficiency you have of your nervous system activating your body. You're going to feel a lot more tired. You're going to feel a lot more sluggish. You're going to have a lot harder time tolerating the heat. Um, so if you're going to take like one of those, those drinks, I would say use it sparingly. And if you can just do a cup of coffee and some creamer rather than an energy drink, I hate to take anybody's favorite energy drink away, <laughs> but I think we all kind of know at the back of our heads, probably not the best thing for us. Right. Um, and we need energy, but just stick with, I mean, stick with that cup of coffee and the electrolyte um, cocktail that I was talking about. And you're going to be just fine. You're going to feel a hell of a lot better. And you're going to save some money too, because you don't have to buy yeah. all the energy drinks, you know? Well, and it, and so let me see if, let me say this back to you and tell me if I'm hearing you the right way. Essentially, when you get dehydrated, it makes, uh, it makes it harder to handle the heat. Absolutely. And so the chain reaction to either too much coffee, too much caffeine to energy drinks is that it drains your body of fluids of water and electrolytes. And the net effect is it makes it harder to handle the heat outside. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, John. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. It's like, I mean, your body has to cool itself through liquid means and through the air. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it doesn't have adequate hydration, core temperature raises quickly. And then what you get is you get heat exhaustion. And then if you do it long enough, you get heat stroke. Yep. So that's the last thing you want. So don't dehydrate yourself on the job, y'all, especially during the summer months. You know and what that's, I mean? And this is good to know because a lot of mm -hmm. technicians like to grab an energy drink in the morning to yep. get the caffeine and get, get that little bump of energy, but realize mm -hmm. that the net effect as you go throughout the day is that it's going to be harder on you to handle the heat outside. And so just realize that. Just, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you want to, I mean, obviously it's your body, you should do whatever you want with it, but just realize there is a net effect of increased um, or decreased capacity to handle the heat when you, when you drink energy drinks or too much coffee. Mm -hmm. It puts you in a negative cycle, John. Like if you, if you drink a lot of that stuff, you're going to notice a dip in your energy. Then you, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to reach for another one. You're going to grab another one. That's going to dip your energy again. You know, you get a temporary spike, but it, you'd be surprised. I, I challenge everybody listening to this. Do it for two weeks. Do the electrolyte powder. Add that flavoring pack in there. Drink the water. Do a cup of coffee and tell me that you don't have more energy throughout the day. Staying yeah. adequately hydrated and keeping your electrolyte levels stable. Um, you're going to feel a lot better energy throughout the day. More stable energy, more sustained energy. And you're going to feel like you have a lot more at the, you know, in your tank at the end of the day for your family, for your kids, for your wife, whatever it may be. So thank you. So, And do you have any recommended, no, nobody's getting uh, for the sake of the audience, nobody's getting any commissions here on this, but do you have any brands you recommend in the electrolyte powders? Oh man, John, I'm not going to lie, man. There's thousands that you could choose from the, for me personally, I, I will just tell everybody this, like, um, I sometimes I even skip the powder for myself. I used to do a lot of electrolyte stuff back in Arizona when I lived there. Cause like, I'm telling y'all like that dry heat just sucks the moisture out your body. You have to drink so much. Um, and even there, what I would do is I would actually squeeze a lemon or a lime into some regular like ice cold water. And then I would sprinkle um, like mineral salt on top of it, like Himalayan or Mediterranean. And that was my electrolyte go-to. That's what okay. I did. 
Um, but the thing is, though, is you can find these electrolyte packs anywhere. Costco's got tons of them. Sam's yeah. Club, all that kind of stuff. Just be careful on the sweeteners. Sometimes they'll throw in those artificial sweeteners. Um, and some of them are pretty good and natural. They'll have like a stevia sweetener or something like that. I would say stick to the stevia sweeteners if you can. So okay. you'd be good. Well, one brand that I, I'd, again, no commissions paid on this, but uh, is called Element. But if you look it up online, it's just the letters L-M-N-T, but you pronounce it element. And uh, probably if you used one a day, it cost you 40 bucks a month. Um, but it's, it's, they're very good. They're high quality. Um, and I would say that those and their competitors are among the best ones. Perfect. So, Heck yeah. yeah. Go get on that, everybody. Amazon Prime right now. <laughs> but we missed the Amazon Prime, uh, That's right. Prime Day. <laughs> That's right. But hey, those will still only cost like 10 bucks anyway. So That's Amazon right. probably would have advertised like a dollar off, like, ooh, big Prime Day sale. <laughs> well, now since we're since we're into beverages, let's roll over into alcohol. Mm. Um mm-hmm. talk to us about alcohol. Uh obviously, hopefully you're not drinking beers during the day while you're working, but <laughs> But talk to us about alcohol, Adam, and and the pros and cons and and all of that. Well, let's 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 talk about it from an energy standpoint. We'll do it from there. Um, so your body will naturally store fats, naturally store carbohydrates. Our body can store both of those things as a ready, you know, very very readily available energy source, right? But most people don't know this. There are calories in a gram of alcohol, so. When it comes to carbohydrates and proteins, you have four calories per one gram. Fats, you have nine calories per one gram. Per one gram of alcohol, you have seven calories. So it's actually pretty calorically dense alcohol, but our body has nowhere to store alcohol like it does fats and carbohydrates. So this is the very first thing that your body will metabolize if you ingest it. I mean, if you eat a a beer and pizza, um, the beer is going to be, the alcohol in the beer is going to be metabolized first. So what happens is, is when you, you know, consume alcohol, alcohol metabolism takes place in the liver. This is where the liver is going to process it. This is why people who are long-term um, alcohol users, the liver is kind of, you know, toast after a little bit of a while because mm. the liver takes a huge hit processing alcohol. Um, what this does is it processes the alcohol through a process of uh, oxidation. And there's enzymes that break down the alcohol into... Oh, it's a really big, weird name, John. It's like acetotelehyde or something like that. It's a weird, you know, those anatomy <laughs> yeah. names. It's, I don't yeah. even know what to say them half the time. <laughs> even when I went through the anatomy classes, I'm like, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then it gets into acetic acid, and this process releases energy by doing that. So then your body has to expand, expound or expend that energy. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm sorry. And that's what happens. So when you're on the job... <sighs> Since alcohol can be very calorically dense and because it's processed in the liver, you'll get energy from it, but it's like a sluggish energy, John. It it takes Mm. more oxygen to metabolize it. Like it takes more oxygen to metabolize fats as well. You'll notice like um, if you ever work out really hard, John, and you, you know, completely deplete your carbohydrate store, then your body's switching over to fats. You notice you're breathing heavier and you're more sluggish, but you still got energy. That's because that takes more oxygen to metabolize. It's the same with um, with alcohol. So health-wise, you're going to notice over time a negative impact on your metabolism because your body gets better at metabolizing the alcohol calories than it does the um, carbohydrates and fats. 
And then you're also going to notice a dip in the energy because your body is prioritizing energy burned from the alcohol calories over carbohydrates and even fats. Now, remember everybody, carbohydrates are your body's preferred energy source because they're easily metabolized. So you can get quick energy from them. And you'll have, that's that quick energy you get when you start working out, you got all of it and it's stored up, right? So with alcohol though, it's going to be a much more sluggish energy. And it's going to be also, we'll just, we were talking about hydration earlier has dehydration effects, has diuretic effects as well. So that's kind of a, in a nutshell, when it comes to alcohol, John. Um, so, and then what's, if a guy has a, uh, a few drinks the night, uh, at night, gets up the next day and he's got a little bit of a hangover, mm-hmm. what do you recommend? The hangover itself, is it not, it's based on dehydration because yes. the, so, so what do you recommend for a guy who wakes up, he's got to go hit it he's got a headache and whatnot from the night before? Mm, that's a really good point. I mean, John, the very first thing that you want to start off with is getting adequate hydration. So getting in a good glass of water, good two glasses of water, if you possibly can flush out the system, aid your liver, the liver loves water to detoxify itself. And a lot of, a lot of the reason why people too feel like crap after they drink is because the liver is just overtaxed and you get all these liver enzymes that are elevated. And, you know, that's kind of um, sending signals to the body. You're, you're dehydrated. You're sluggish. So I would say hydrate as much as you possibly can get in a really good meal as well, because alcohol also has a tendency to screw with your blood sugar. Um, That one's the whole podcast in and of itself, but it can definitely cause problems with blood sugar. Um, Especially if you're type two diabetic, it can induce, Oh man, I'm I'm thinking it's hypoglycemia, John, but I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me on that one, but it can definitely um, induce hypoglycemia. So I would say get your, get a good meal in that is composed of, good lean proteins and some complex carbohydrates. So Mm. if I were to put that into something, what that would look like for breakfast is like two hard boiled eggs or some scrambled eggs with a little bit of cheese, a little bit of seasoning, and then like a whole grain piece of toast if you want to, or like a Dave's killer bread, something like that. That's going to help you out a lot. And then I would also say, if you want to do a supplement wise, I would say a good milk thistle supplement. Milk Mm. thistle has been shown even through science that it has tremendous uh, detoxification effects on the liver and aids the liver with doing that. So if you want to get past it, these are all kind of natural ways to get past it. I know there's also probably pills out there that people can take um, to help get them through hangovers. Personally, John, I'm going to be honest and transparent with your whole audience. I got hungover once. I do not like alcohol at all. I do (laughs) not feel good on it. I got hungover on my 29th birthday when I was in Arizona. My birthday is in August. I went and played top golf outside. It was 110 degrees. I drank two double mojitos, didn't know they were double mojitos, and I turned into a complete hangover, and I was holding <laughs> on to the porcelain throne on the evening oh, of my birthday. Wow. So I don't yeah. have a lot of extensive knowledge in dealing with hangovers, but this is what has worked with training all my other clients in the past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have a little more experience than you do with it. So I'll well, there you go. South Louisiana, it's just part of the air we breathe down here but Mm -hmm. uh the what i'll add to it is just this uh, thought if you if you find yourself you feel like man i i'm drinking too much i need to slow down a little um if you say but i don't i don't want to stop but i want some help slowing down go online and google the sinclair method david sinclair developed a method using a drug called naltrexone that basically when you take it uh, and you drink alcohol it cuts off the reward pathways in your brain. And so 
uh, over time, um, it, it, and it's, it's literally a, a kind of treatment that you have to drink in order for it to do its thing. So it's not like, you know, don't guzzle a fifth or whatever, but, mm -hmm. but, but when you drink, your brain stops getting the message, this is great. Let's do more of this. And so it, the receptors of, um, your, um, um, uh, the, just the hormones that, that I don't forget the, the names of them, but the dopamine, they, those dopamine yeah, you uh, don't get that reward, that dopamine that's reward. Right. And yep. so, and so the idea there is that it's, it is an approach. If you don't want to go completely abstinent, it's one way to go there, of course. And there's all the 12 step stuff as well. If you want to go that far and you, and that's, you know, and if you need to do what you need to do, but, um, so anyway, that's, that's alcohol. Um, make sure that you're taking care of yourself when you, if you drink alcohol, all of mm -hmm. the standard stuff applies about don't drive all, all the, all of that. But mm -hmm. um, it's not uncommon for technicians to enjoy a beer after work. And so, mm -hmm. you know, just, just be aware that if one turns into six, that you're dehydrating yourself and that the next day when you need to, you know, get out there and get Perform. at it. The, the main thing you need is hydration. That's yeah. not, don't, don't, there's no hair of the dog thing that doesn't work that you need to get, you need to get yourself hydrated and that will help you recover faster. Yes. And you know what, John, um, now that you're talking about hydration, there's one method that I've used with my clients throughout the years that seems to help a lot. Like I never tell anybody don't try and eliminate alcohol unless you absolutely need to. If you need to abstain from alcohol, if you have an alcohol problem and you just feel like you need to go cold turkey, go ahead. But if you're more of that that type of person who, you know, you maybe drink socially, maybe there's a wonderful game going on during the weekend, you're, you're hanging out with your buddies and you want to drink, it's all good. Um, but you may be asking yourself, how can I do this in a healthy way and not go overboard? Well, it's a really simple way. I always tell people drink one to three glasses of water before you're about to take uh, any drink of alcohol. And the cool mm -hmm. thing is you already adequately hydrated yourself. You also got about two to three glasses of water in your stomach and you cannot stomach more <laughs> beer. You can't stomach a lot more of the harder liquor, all that kind of yeah. stuff. The cool thing is you're also hydrating yourself, but then you're also cutting back on how much you can really drink, but sure. you're still drinking. So your buddies aren't going to be like, what dude, you ain't down in this, you know, five, six beers. No, I'm cutting it back to one or two or three. You know what yep. I mean? It's yep. a lot better. You know what I mean? And you can still enjoy yourself, still have fun, still hang out, still be a part of the gang. But, you know, you're also helping your health in, in the meantime. So that's one method that seems to work really well with a lot of the clients I have. Okay, very good. Well, let's, let's, these are all kind of connected topics. Let's roll over now to the topic of sugar, which this can be a, this is a deep rabbit hole. If, if we went all the way, we probably won't go all the way down it, but this is a <laughs> very deep rabbit hole because there's lots of different versions of sugar. There's artificial sweeteners. Um, so uh, let me open it up again to you, Adam. What are your thoughts on sugar? Loaded question. So I, you know what? I think uh, what Peter Atia said in one of his podcasts bears repeating here. Like when we say the word sugar, it's like an umbrella term. It means 61 different types of sugar that we know of yeah. um, these days. And, and, you know, we have like the natural occurring sugars that are like in our fruits, um, table sugar that we're all very familiar with, so on and so forth. But, you know, that leaves like another 55 that none of us really know anything about. Right. Um, and many of these ones can be significantly times 
more sugary than table sugar. You know, there's, there's sugars out there, John, that are hundreds of times. Actually, one of the most, um, if I remember correctly, one of the most sweetest sugars is almost two to 3,000 times more sweet than your table sugar. Yeah. It is the most sugar. Um, I don't even know how to say the name of it, and I'm not even going to try because I'm just going to sound stupid. But um, it's not one that is typically used because it takes a lot of money to process it, and most people don't request it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we talk about sugars, everybody, this means you know 61 different types. And then there's common ones found in a lot of different products that you use. You may see things that say like zero sugar, zero this, zero that still has sugars added to it. It's just a way that they've gotten around saying that there's sugars in there. That's um, right. You want to dive into that real quick, like how they get around well, that, John? Well, what, I, I, what I was just going to say is that the when you get into the issue of sugar, the, there's so many sort of chemical words for it that yeah, it's, it is very, very difficult uh, to find any product in a box that doesn't, mm-hmm. that you're going to eat that doesn't have sugar in it processed meat has sugar in it there's it is practically everything milk that's coming from uh a dairy probably has sugar in it and so Mm -hmm. and and you would think well it's milk it's straight from the cow yeah but they condition it to make it taste a certain way and so if you're really trying to watch sugar you really you have to stay with whole foods and um or really kind of familiarize yourself with some of the the language uh that's used to refer to sugar because when you look at the labels on those boxes sugar has a preservative quality some sugars Mm -hmm. part of the reason they use it in processing is it it extends the shelf life of the food and so but it still does its thing to you and your body when you take it when you eat it Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that was really my thought there that if you you know well there are lots of foods that you would think oh shoot that doesn't have sugar in it Mm -hmm. and it's good chance it has sugar in it Hundred percent, John. I was uh, I was anticipating this this uh, discussion on sugar today, and uh, I was trying one of these yeah. coconut antioxidant infused drinks that I got from my local Sam's Club, and I and I bought this actually for the purpose of this podcast because I thought it was very interesting. On the very front of it, it says no artificial sweeteners, one gram of sugar, but then if you look on the very back of it. There is a sugar that is added to this, but it's man, I, another one of those weird names. Um, yeah. it's erythritol or something like that. Um, yeah. so I was actually looking it up for for our audience, and it's ten grams, ten grams. So on the front of it says one gram of sugar. On the back, then there's ten grams of this sugar added, which is very interesting. But the total sugars, the naturally derived sugars, is one gram. So they have clever wording going on here. They have yeah. sweetened this product. Yeah. Naturally, there's one gram of, of naturally occurring sweeteners in here. You know, what I mean, just the fact that it is coconut and it's also mixed with mango. So there's naturally occurring sweeteners in there. That's typically like a sucrose um, or fructose um, from naturally occurring sources. But this sugar is what's called a sugar alcohol. Sugar alcohols, John. Uh, the, there's good and bad things about it. We'll just say this. Like they don't have too much of a negative effect on your metabolism we'll just put it this way and even like your blood sugar however there is a significant negative effect on your gastro gastrointestinal system 
if you ingest too much of sugar alcohols, what you're going to get is you're going to get a horrible gut. Your gut's going to get very, very upset. So people either get like some form of almost IBS from this. So either they get stopped up or they can't stop going, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and then they're all the, I hate to say this, um, y'all, but that usually means you're the one ripping one every five minutes. on the <laughs> And as it can very much be because of these sugar alcohols, but you have to understand huh. something. There's 10 grams of this being put in this product while on the front of it, it says there's only one gram. Yeah. And they can get away with that because I believe the sugar alcohol is about 300 times sweeter than your table um, sugar sucrose. And when I drank it, I can confirm it is definitely a lot sweeter. Um, it just doesn't taste like alcohol or uh, not alcohol, um, coconut anymore. Ah. So I wanted to use that as an example for everybody to, when it comes to a lot of HVAC techs, you know, people are, you know, particular about what they're drinking and so on and so forth. Maybe even what they're eating. Maybe it's a, a protein bar or maybe it's some, some sort of bar. You look at the front of the label, they know exactly what you want to see. They know you want to see low carb or they know you want to see one or two grams of sugar look on the back of the label y'all they're probably using some form of sugar that's not naturally derived but is more artificial or more of a sugar alcohol that will have a negative impact on you in some way sugar alcohols or gastrointestinal artificial sweeteners don't even want to go into that man some of that can be a contributing factor to cancers um dementia alzheimer's all that kind of stuff um so yeah just wanted to give everybody a little bit of yeah back, well back, john <laughs> yeah, that, well, I'll, I'll add one more in there, which uh, m most people think have heard of high fructose corn syrup, Ooh, yeah. uh, which mm -hmm. is used in sodas, especially and some other things as well. The um, when you consume high fructose corn syrup, it it like it gets converted to energy in a way mm -hmm. that makes it harder to make more energy. The mm -hmm. when when that gets consumed, you remember from a previous podcast, are the things we consume to make energy get converted to this molecule ATP, yep. right? But in order to make ATP, you need some ATP, right? And so what happens when you consume soda, um, Coke, Pepsi, whatever, Mountain Dew, and there's high fructose corn syrup in it, it drains your cells of all the ATP. Mm -hmm. And so it you when you feel the 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 net effect of that high fructose corn syrup it's a significant energy drain even though you get a pulse at the beginning and it makes it it takes longer for you to recover your uh kind of standing energy uh load let's say because yeah. of the high fructose corn syrup so mm -hmm. you know people talk about sugars all the time and and is it good is it bad and diabetes is connected to it um, the biggest thing I think Adam and I can tell you guys is try to educate yourself, you know, mm -hmm. try to find out because the table sugar is different from the sugar that's in like fruit from a tree. Um, that's different from high fructose corn syrup. Uh, they all fall under this general category. And when you, when you look at the label on a, on a box or on the back of a can, it, it says carbs and then it'll say how many grams of sugar, but it's like Adam just said, you know, maybe, maybe not. It's just the way the yeah. FDA has this thing set up. They have to say things around certain parameters, but there's so many different types. It can be just listed as an extra ingredient and not as sugar. And then mm. you're still consuming it. Exactly. Really good points, John. And you know what? 
I have a whole bulleted list here of everything that high fructose corn syrup, syrup does. And I want to just educate everybody on it real quick. What do you think? Okay. Good? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's four things that you can count on if you consume this on a regular basis. And believe me, high fructose corn syrup is in a lot. You'll find that even in some energy drinks, you'll find that in a, even sports drinks, so on and so forth. Um, Mountain Dew sodas, yeah. even just regular candy you get at the store. You wanted to roast some uh, marshmallows with your little kiddo. Odds are you'll have high fructose corn syrup in there. So there's four things that you, you can expect if you eat this on the regular. And I just want to educate everybody on this because this, uh, if I could ban this one sweetener, I would, I'll just put it that way, John. Number one, you can expect insulin resistance. I think that's pretty much an obvious one. Um, high fructose corn syrup has a way of not gently pouring blood, you know, sugar into your blood. It has a way of putting a fire hose on your face type of thing. Yeah. And, and doing that. So what, what happens is, of course, as you continually spike that over time, insulin has to spike as well. It's trying to push those sugars into the cells. The cells say, okay, this is way too much insulin. Can't, can't listen to it anymore. They kind of retreat into the door a little bit. And, you know, the, the insulin's trying to knock on the door and the doors aren't opening. Second thing that you can um, count on is increased fat deposition. Consuming too much of this can honestly just be converted immediately into fat because it's such readily, quickly available energy that if you're not using it right away, the body's got to say it's got to go somewhere. Mm. So it can be easily stored into adipose tissue. Third one, and this is a huge one, very, very huge. If anyone's even remotely been listening to anything health related the, the last five or 10 years, this can increase inflammation and oxidative stress. Inflammation is your body's response to a stressor. We'll just put it that way. Too much inflammation repeated over time, that is chronic, leads to any number of diseases you've probably heard of. Autoimmune disorders, cancers, um, diabetes, all that kind of, yeah. arth oh, perfect one, John. Yeah. Yep, arthritis, all that kind of stuff. One that, the, the fourth one is one that is starting to gain more traction, I would say within these last five or 10 years, it disrupts majorly your gut microbiome. Now we could do an entire podcast on this. And I feel like sometimes we almost should, John, just to talk about the gut microbiome and how it's connected sure. to so much. But, you know, within your gut, everybody is billions of little organisms, bacteria. There's good ones, there's bad ones. And there's constantly a fight going on. They're all kind of contained in this mucus layer. Good ones will, will have a good relationship with the body. Bad ones will try to set up shop and make their own little like iron dome and, and try and crowd out all the, all the good ones. It's crazy. If you ever get to read about these ones, like literally the bad ones will create like their own dome. It's, it's, it's just, it's just insane. Um, but what happens is when you consume this type of sugar is it actually can promote the bad ones, the bad one. It's like you're, it's like you're fighting the enemy and then the enemy calls in a million reinforcements every time mm. you take a drink of this high fructose corn syrup, because the bad stuff loves to feed off of it. But if you feed your body good food, high amounts of vegetables, regular fruits, lean proteins, the bad bacteria hates that and it kills it off actually because there's nothing left to eat on or to feed on, if that makes sense. So you can have a major disruption of your gut microbiome with excessive consumption of high fructose corn syrup. And you may be wondering like, well, what's the big deal about the gut microbiome? Almost everything. Your 90% of your immune system is contained within your gut. 
And the reason for that is if you think about this from your mouth all the way to your butt, we'll just put it that way, is a tube that is technically considered outside your body. Um, think about it like this. If I were to run a pipe from the outside of my house through my house to the other side, inside that pipe is technically considered outside my house, correct? Mm -hmm. Even though the pipe is inside, the outside of the pipe is inside my home, right? So our immune system hangs out on the other side of our gut because when we consume something, there can be bacteria there, there can be viruses there. And when it tries to make its way through the gut into our bloodstream, our immune system has to neutralize those threats, right? So the reason why you don't want your gut microbiome disrupted to the point where it's overwhelmed by the bad stuff is because the bad stuff can start causing bigger microscopic holes in that gut over time, which allow bigger food particles, bigger pieces of bacteria, viruses, through the bloodstream, which sometimes can really overwhelm your immune system. And what you'll find then is if you get, you can get sick a lot easier. If you do get sick, you get sick for a lot longer. It's harder for you to get over a sickness, so on and so forth. You might even start finding that you're intolerant to certain foods because your gut is allowing bigger particles of that food through. And when your gut, the, the immune system is trying to scan the barcode of that, that particle, it says, we don't recognize this too big. Not sure what it is. Your immune system attacks it. You get a food intolerance, sometimes a food allergy, so on and so forth. So anyways, like I said, John, we could talk a whole podcast on this, but that's why you don't want to do that is because your gut is so important to your overall health, majorly important. Hmm. So yeah, <laughs> floor's back to you, John. <laughs> yeah, no, all good stuff. All good stuff. Now I'm sure yeah. the techs who are listening to this are going to be like, man, you guys are killing me. No Gatorade, no soda. <laughs> what am I going to eat? Like tree bark and river water? Like what? Are, where are we at here? So good listen, uh, in, to, to some degree that the goal has to be at least moderation. And then, you know, the guys we really want to on this high fructose corn syrup, you know, if you if during the day you stop at the gas station and you get a 64 ounce soda and you down that thing the rest of the day, man, that's that's you know, just realize there's tons of things that's doing to your body that you may not realize. And, you know, if you can replace that somehow with water with that's got some kind of electrolytes in it, unsweetened, uh, other than maybe with a, you know, a, a citrus or something like that, that um, uh, to go in there, it's just so much better for your body over time. 100%, 100%. John, if I could wrap up all this, I don't want anybody to feel like we're saying red pen this, never eat it or drink it again. In my coaching practice, I've been very successful and many coaches have been successful at this too, not just myself. It's practicing what's called the 80-20 rule. 80% 80 of the time, have a good established baseline of good eating and drinking habits. You know what I mean? Yep. If you love taste, if you want to drink something with good taste, do what I was talking about add those flavoring packs in there, add the electrolyte, you're going to have the taste. But don't be so rigid on this that you think that you have to do that every day, day in and day out for the rest of your life and never set, set eyes on a, a soda again. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you do this daily, over and over again, every single day, and you repeat this for years, if not decades, don't expect good health. Yeah. What you can do, though, is you can reduce your consumption of that and displace it with things that equally taste as good but are more beneficial for your body because you're the one creating it. You're the one creating the electrolyte drink versus a company just making it for the, the, the bottom dollar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the cool thing is when you're doing that, it gives you more freedom. 
You know I mean, it doesn't make you feel like you're caged. It doesn't make you feel like you can't have these things. It's just more moderation. I always tell people this, like one salad isn't going to make you healthy and one cheat meal isn't going to make you unhealthy. It's what you repeat over time. So repeat more of the better things that are going to bring health, vitality, energy to your life and reduce the things that are going to go against that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And back to that earlier podcast with food, what is your priority with food and drink? Is it for pleasure? Okay, that's great, but it needs to be expanded. It needs to be for health. It needs to be for strength. It needs to be for vitality, longevity, all that kind of stuff. So enjoy the taste of things, but make it yourself. Make those mm -hmm. electrolyte drinks. You know what I mean? Just make the better choices. You want to crack a beer open on the weekends? Cool. You want to enjoy one more Mountain Dew a few times on the weekends? Great, but don't do it every single day, day in and day out for 10 years. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. And, and, and to some degree, you know, people, we all have kind of standing habits. That's yes. where the zones of this stuff are the most dangerous to us when we're just used to downing four Cokes a day. And we're just, yeah. that's just part of our normal day. It's, just, it's a habit. And that's where we create this cumulative effect over time yep. of doing it day after day after day after day. When it's broken up the way Adam is describing, it doesn't have the same negative effect just on that one-off time it's when mm -hmm. we're doing it it's the same thing with alcohol it's the same thing with anything that could have a negative effect on our bodies if we're doing it day after day after day after day it builds up and mm. the cumulative effect our bodies have to adjust to it and that's when it's the most dangerous so you know take what we're looking at or take what we've talked about in this podcast and just look at what are your standing routines what do you do in the morning do you have like a nine o'clock stop every day at the gas station for a soda? You know, can you make an adjustment there? How can you change the most routine parts of your, your, you know, hydration, alcohol, sugar? How can you change the most routine components of that and break it up and then still enjoy it at times, but not have such an every day, every day, day after day dynamic to it? Absolutely. Right there, John. It's just what you do repeatedly over time that makes the biggest difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. So consistency, you know, when it comes to habits, we'll just put it this way. A habit can, you can run it for, uh, for ruin or you can run it for profit. The cool, the thing about habits is they're not biased. The <laughs> habits that you have in your life and in your mind, they're not biased. Your, your mind isn't seeking out to cultivate more good habits or more bad habits. They're down to your choice. And that's the beautiful thing about habits is they are 100% your choice. But there's neurobiology that comes in there. There's all the wiring and all the firing that happens, of course. So yeah. with everybody, when it comes to these things, it's just making small changes over time. As cliche as it sounds, John, climbing <laughs> Mount Everest is, you know, it's no small thing. But I always tell people in my coaching practice, can you walk 50 feet in front of you? And what does that look like? And they say, yeah, yeah, I can. Okay, cool. Let's get you 50 feet in front of you. Repeat that over time. Guess what? You're at the top of the mountain, right? And the same for everybody else. Don't say today, I'm going to eliminate all sugars. No, just tell me what you can do. Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. What do you feel is yeah. doable right now? And then put that doableness on a scale of one to 10, 10 being hell yes, one being hell no. You want to be at an eight or nine or 10. Okay. If it's not eight or nine or 10, break it down smaller. That's all you got to do. It's simple stuff. You just got to make it into a process. Don't make it all or nothing. Make it always something. That's all you got to do. Very there you good. go.
Well, mm. then let's leave it at that today, Adam. Thanks so much for your time again and the contribution you're making to the lives of air conditioning technicians by being a regular guest on the podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me on, John. I appreciate it. All right. And to you guys, be sure and reach out. If you got questions, you want to say hi to Adam, you want to say hi to me, go find us on social media. We'll be happy to get to know you better. We'll see you next time. A good life is had at the HVAC Joy Lab.